Hey everyone, welcome to Mind Body Green's Beauty Podcast, Clean Beauty School. I'm your host, Beauty Director Alexandra Engler, and today we're going to talk about the intersection of language and skincare. In the well being space, we know that language is important. It's why people set intentions, they have mantras, it's why people encourage positive affirmations. It's why we're taught to be mindful of our word choices when we speak about the hard stuff grief, trauma, pain because we know that language affects our mental health. Well, I think it's important to apply these same lessons to how we talk about our skin and the words we choose to use when we talk about our routines, when we talk about ourselves, when we talk about how we feel about ourselves, because the way you talk about your skin matters. It affects how you think about it, it affects how you feel about it, and it affects how you treat it. One easy example that I always like to refer to is how we talk about acne. I write about acne a lot, A lot of people have it. It's a very common skin condition. At some point in our lives, almost all of us have a breakout. Some of us have breakouts our whole lives. So I started developing acne when I was a teen. It started slow and then all of a sudden I had full-blown teenage acne and I hated it. I tried every product. I visited derms. I put all of my effort into trying to fight my acne. And so much of the messaging around acne at this time was about fighting it. It was about attacking it. It very much had a war mentality you versus your skin. And this messaging changed the way that I treated my skin then and many years to come. I treated it aggressively with tons of exfoliants, potent actives. I barely took the time to soothe the skin or hydrate it. Ultimately, this route did not serve me. And looking back, it's no wonder. You have to care for your skin. It's why it's called skin care, because your skin is ultimately not the enemy. I was not at war with my skin. My skin is me. And I think chatting about this concept is so important because once we realize all the negative ways that we speak about ourselves and we speak about our skin, we really start to see the way that it affects us and it affects our mental health and it affects the choices that we make. And today I wanted to talk to holistic esthetician Haley Wood. This is a topic that she is extremely passionate about. We have talked about it before and I'm so excited to have her on the podcast to discuss it with all of you. Haley, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk with you today. Yeah, I am too. So, you know, first, I I just want to hear a little bit more about your story. How did you get into skincare? And then how did your views on skincare evolve to what they are today? You, you clearly take it from such a modern and holistic approach. Great. Yeah, it's interesting too, because anytime I I kind of go through my journey and and speak on this. There's such a pivot point that's so perfect on the topic that we're going to be discussing today. So I think it'll tie in really nicely for us. I have been a licensed esthetician. This is my 15th year. So since 2006, I went into skincare just sort of not as like a survivalist thing, but really because I didn't really know what else to do. And I had met another esthetician who was a year older than me and she kind of had everything together. And I had already been struggling with my skin for so long that I just was really blown away that it was an actual job you can have, that you can actually help people and you can learn about skin. So I signed up for beauty school and I've been doing it ever since. And I have worked in all different types of industries or just kind of departments within this industry, I should say. Like I've taught, I've been a mentor, I've been, I've run my own business, but I've also worked, you know, one-on-one virtually with people and 
also worked in like major big spas where I got to just see a high volume of people. And the way I kind of ended up, you know, going more into the holistic space was really for my own health. I, I realized that I was struggling with a lot a lot with like my endocrine system and my nervous system, which are so correlated to a lot of the absorption that I'm getting through a lot of conventional products. Like I was realizing like my liver was having a lot of issues. I'm just trying to like metabolize so much junk. So I went and did the transition over to clean more green beauty myself on a personal basis and realized if I wasn't going to be using these conventional products on my own self like why am I using them in a facial treatment and is administering these products really unsafe for me and my own health so that's kind of what you know birthed my business and what birthed this new you know appreciation and understanding for holistic health because then I feel like I started to attract a lot of clients with the same sort of roadblocks in their health that I have experienced and then there's just this beautiful common ground but laced into all of that, I've really wanted to make sure that I educate people on proper skin health. And that isn't to, you know, just throw out a bunch of scientific terms or make people feel like, yeah, you've got this one condition, this is the only way you can do it. It's more so just helping them get in tune with what their skin is actually communicating with it. Cause it can be such a great, you know, addition to your health and wellness journey to be able to really understand and collaborate with what your skin is telling you. So I found that there was a big roadblock with myself and with my clients just in the way that we talk about our skin and the way we talk around things that are going on with the skin. And ever since I started my business, that was something that I really worked hard on to make sure that people had a mindfulness language really integrated into their skin health education, at least starting with what they're learning from me moving forward. And whenever I have a great success story, a skin success story, I find that one of the biggest hurdles that they finally get over is just the way they speak about themselves and their skin and the whole experience as a whole. And once they have this understanding of what's actually happening and they can speak with love to themselves about it, then choices are made differently and you know there's not as much comparison to others and their journey. It's just this really beautiful way to then just sort of enter this new understanding of your health in whatever healing journey you're going through, but especially in this like long-term connection you're going to have with your skin, you know, cause you're going to have it forever. You might as well have a great relationship with it. So yeah, I mean, it's a little long winded, but that's, that's the gist. <laughs> no, I mean, and that really does segue so beautifully into what we're talking about today. And I, you've, you've already said so much that I want to circle back on eventually, but why don't we lay the groundwork for this conversation? Because you know, it is kind of a nebulous concept, what we're what we're talking about here, the delicate dance between how we talk about our skin and how we treat our skin. But there are some various ways in which language affects the way that we feel. It affects the way that we, t- you know, the way that we talk about ourselves affects the way that we treat ourselves and we feel about ourselves. So I think kind of the most basic way to introduce this topic is simply talk about the idea that there's quote unquote good skin and bad skin. Cause it's almost like assigning these like morality languages to something that it's just, it's you, it's your skin. You know, you don't 
you don't want to treat your skin like it's it's inherently good or inherently bad just because you have a zit, you know? So Exactly, or a wrinkle or, you know? Yeah, I just want to talk a little bit about just this idea of like just the basic ways that we have been programmed to talk about our skin and this idea of good versus bad being kind of the one that has influenced most modern skincare marketing. Yeah, I agree. And I don't think it's that binary. I think if it was, if skin could be good or bad, it'd be a whole heck of a lot easier to treat it. I'm going to tell you that right now. If you were identifying with bad skin, like, great, we're just going to funnel you into the bad skin aisle and then you can figure it out from there. But it's really so much more individual than that. You could be having bad days. You could be having a bad condition, but does your skin in and of itself, is it bad or is it just inherently good, you know, because you happen to have great genetics or having a good skin day? Not necessarily. I know plenty of people and I've worked with plenty of clients who have what you would ideally want for skin. Like if I could write down what perfect skin looked like, they have it, yet they still think they have bad skin. It's just all in how we attach the idea of it to ourselves. And yeah, I just, I feel like in terms of how this kind of came about to begin with, I, I remember, I grew up in the nineties, I'm in my thirties now. So I just remember looking at you know, beauty magazines and, you know, seeing Noxzema commercials or whatever, like cool skincare. And sure. I find that the the language around the marketing from back then, which is kind of when like the, the beauty industry boomed as much as it had, like it's, it's so part of our culture now, but you know, 20, 30 years ago, it was still very niche. There weren't as many brands. The, mm-hmm. the, accessibility to what's out there was very limited and was really marketed either just through your dermatologist, Mm -hmm. whatever was on the shelves at your local drugstore or your beauty store or what you saw on TV. And I find that because there's so many of us that's just, you know, receiving this programming from whatever marketing ads there was, I just feel like it was meant to just grab your attention and you know, give it to you in such like layman's terms of like, are you having bad skin? You know, this is what you could do when really, if you're going to have a more elaborate conversation about what's going on with your skin and what's going on with your health, most people are not going to just heavily identify anything under bad because that can just also go into so many different, you know, compartments. Like, what does that even really mean? What is, you know, what are sure. we actually trying to define here? So yeah. I just think it was kind of lazy marketing totally. <laughs> to begin with. Yeah. And then we just had that imprint in us and it, it just hasn't quite been shed. But I find that too, with more accessibility to, you know, conversations like the one we're having right now, people are, are slowly breaking that pattern. Yeah, They're realizing yeah. like, okay, yeah, that's just the language I grew up with, or that's just the language I've seen my whole life, but that doesn't mean that that's the only way to identify. So I think that it's, we're kind of just like on the cusp of it. Like people are just now starting to, to identify why they even started yeah. labeling themselves like that to begin with. And it's because up to us it, to share that and share some, some new ways of thinking. Sure. And one, one idea that I, I try to steal from is like 
there was the idea of body neutrality. And I think there are certain aspects of this idea of body neutrality that I think we could even, you know, move over into skin and skin care where you're not you're not begrudging the fact that you have acne. You're just somebody who is genetically predispositioned to acne. And that's just a fact of life. You know, that's just something that has to do with your skin. Maybe some days it makes you, you know, feel less than perfect, but it's not an inherently bad thing. It's just something that is your skin and that's okay. Yeah. Um, Having acne is the most human thing ever you know (laughs) yeah yeah i mean everybody has breaks out breakouts time and again but anyway to go back to this this idea of good versus bad influencing what we talk about in skincare you know when we go into specific skin concerns like like acne like fine lines like maybe a rosacea flare-up like uneven texture any of these things that people tend to complain about what are some of the ways that you have found that you either notice in the media or you notice from your patients what are some of the ways that people talk about this stuff that is might be like indirectly harming them because they don't realize that they're basically perpetuating this negative self-talk like what are just some common examples that you tend to see yeah well with all of those conditions you know whether you're truly experiencing them or not, I find that people will struggle with just the language around it. And, you know, it, it has everything to do with the marketing, like we talked about, but also just to the lack of education that's provided for beauty providers. And, you know, if you fill out a form when you're about to go get a facial or a consultation and then you, it's like, what do you want to work on? And it lists out just a few things like acne, anti-aging, you know, we're giving people, you know, that language to start from. So I think it really definitely starts with us and just like giving them more agency to talk about their skin in, in a way that could be you know, a little bit more expressive, a little bit more, you know, from their personal experience instead of just labeled as such. But I find that too, there's a lot of misdiagnosing going around because that's what I think perpetuates some of that negative self-talk as well. Because if somebody reads the description of hyperpigmentation or uneven skin texture or acne and there's a component to that condition that they can relate to, then they sort of attach themselves onto it. And whether or not I say like, well, actually your skin, it's not too heavily, you know, imbalanced or whatever. Like usually what I can find is it it takes a lot to break through what they've already self-diagnosed themselves with Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that we can actually find out what's going on. Oftentimes somebody will want to work on a condition that is, you know, maybe something they've experienced in the past and they just haven't let that identity go, that that's not something they have to hold on to forever. It's a lot of people who have acne, especially in their, the youthful part of their life and they'll just hold on to it as as part of their identity, which is something I struggled with personally. So I can completely identify with that sort of reasoning. It took a lot of conditioning for me to get out of that mindset. But two, it then it, it could also be giving them blinders to what it could also be going on sure. that they may need to pay more attention to. So yeah, it can be, it's nothing that I find is like too big of a hurdle for anybody. I find that especially when somebody comes in and they want to work with me, they, they already have the idea that 
you know, I'm probably going to break down some of the language that they've been using and help them properly identify some goals that they want to work with. And how can we do this through the lens of love instead of like the lens of quick fix? And I'm just scared of what's going on, you know, because I feel like especially when it comes to a topic like anti-aging, for me, I always want to just switch it up. I'm like, well, we're all aging. That's a great gift. And that's a, it's an honor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just, it's more so like, how are we aging in our skin now? Is there something that's prematurely causing us to age quickly? Like those are the markers we need to kind of identify. And then once they see that that's the lens I have it through, I feel like they can kind of let go a little bit. Like I'm not expecting them to show up perfect with a great regimen and all like show up as you are. And we're going to figure out where to go from there and lift you up from there. I do love this idea that you talk about a lot of lens of love versus the Mm -hmm. lens of quick fixing. And I think this, this is something that everyone in the beauty industry could really, really take a step back and figure out ways in which that we talk about skincare fixes because they don't always come from the lens of self-love and also longevity. You know, I think another area that I always find interesting is, you know, when we talk about aging and fine lines, I think a lot of people, especially my age, and I'm curious to see if you come into this as well, but a lot of people, I'm, I'm in my 30s as well, and people that I know, we're just starting to hit that that age group where we maybe, you know, if we haven't already started caring about it, you know, we're starting to maybe pick up on this idea of, oh, I don't know if I had that, you know, wrinkle line, you know, a few years ago. I don't think it's inherently wrong to notice the ways that you're aging or your skin is aging. I don't, you know, I don't think that's bad. I think it's human to look at your face and do things like that. But what I do find is so many people who are my age and, you know, in their 40s and 50s is the way that they talk about it is like they're so scared to age, which I think does, it does set them up for maybe not feeling the best about themselves, you know, like we shouldn't be scared of this. Do you find that to be a problem as well? Yeah, I see that all the time. And really what this is because there are several factors that can age us and make us look older than we are and I think it's like that loss of youthful identity that can be really fear-based and that can cause a lot of you know negative self-talk to spiral and but there's also just to that fear of okay, my life is moving forward. Like, am I where I want to be? And I, did I take care of myself enough? So sometimes instead of just like forward thinking and thinking about like, well, this is, this is just where I'm at right now. And there's things I can do to help support myself moving forward. I definitely see how people can kind of stay stuck in what they should have done, what they could have done. And then they feel like they have to overcompensate mm-hmm. through their skincare when really, you don't do better until you know better. And, you know, I find that people who have struggled with a skin condition or had to manage a skin condition, whether it's an inflammatory condition or something that was chronic or acute, whatever it is, if they experience something like that at a very young age, which is a lot of us, you know, like you mentioned, most of us experience some form of breakout or acne. It's very common and it's very human. Then we at least get into this rhythm of navigating our skin and understanding that there's a flow, there's an ebb and a flow with it. And it's not always going to be perfect, but there's going to be months where it's going to be great. Then maybe we have a bad weekend and then maybe we recover from that, you know, whatever it is we sort of understand this like cycle of our skin. But if you 
inherently have had like totally fine skin and never were taught to nurture it and tend to it as if it's a living, breathing organ. And then suddenly everything catches up with you later in life, even if it's in, you know, your early 30s, which is a very common time for people to start looking into their skincare. It it can feel like you just have to take extreme measures. And because those measures are available right now, it's all about, you know, how, what are, what else are we doing in our life that could be causing some of that Mm. aging to show up in our skin? For me, I like to personally just, if I see myself and there's a part of me that I'm just like having trouble recognizing, like I know that I might feel better once I do my my makeup and my skincare and I like dress up, I know I might feel better, but ultimately like what is going on within me that's stressing me out? Like there's gotta be a more, you know, inherent root cause to that. And usually it's, I didn't get enough sleep because I'm stressing out about this. And then I didn't eat very well. And it it becomes a little bit more of a connector to the whole experience as opposed to, you know, just not recognizing myself one day and thinking I can fix it. Like I want to get back to a place where I feel like me and therefore I'm going to look like me. You know what I mean? And if if a part of me is aged a little bit, I don't, so I think I'm in the minority of this, but I really like looked forward to looking older because A, I'm... I've just always had a baby face. Sure. So, I, you know, I still, I'm 33. I still get carded. And I like, I, ex- I, I have experienced forms of ageism that I, I'm like, no, I want the wrinkle. I need it. I need to look older. <laughs> so I'm in the minority of that. But two, I, when I was younger, I just always like, I had a lot of women in my family and they all like age differently. And they're all so beautiful that I was like, I can't wait to know what I'm going to look like when sure. I'm at that age. So my lens was already a little bit more optimistic and and I realize that that's not the case because then there's definitely a lot of my clients who are like well my mom didn't age well at all and I don't want that to happen to me and they just think it's this immediate thing that's going to happen I'm like well your mom walked a different life she experienced different things and I'm sure she is doing her best I'm like but you can do different things too you don't have to take drastic insane actions it's more so like connecting to what's happening yeah. all over so that you can nurture yourself because yeah. now if I don't recognize myself and I'm feeling like I looked I just look a little more aged or a little bit more tired or, or just not my radiant self I, I usually can be like okay well yeah what makes me feel like me what makes me feel like my radiant self and the skincare is a part of that but it's usually an overhaul of all aspects of my life yeah absolutely you know? I, you brought up a really good point that I just wanted to highlight. You know, it's it's this idea of, you know, some people hit it in age and maybe they start to see these signs of aging and it makes them, you know, think about aging in a broader sense and maybe they didn't, you know, maybe they're not where they want to be or maybe there's something that's uh, missing in their life that they thought they'd have or, you know, yeah. any of these number of things that happen when we age, I think you know, your skin is an indicator of the passage of time. And so sometimes like it's, it's not necessarily the fact that you are, that you have these fine lines. It's about something that maybe is deeper and maybe it's, you know, you fear aging in general, which is, you know, a whole different (laughs) topic, but I do think it's a very real thing. Oh, it definitely is. I, you know, I tend to 
somebody's really upset about their their fine lines on their wrinkles or the lines around their mouth, I'm like, okay, so you smiled a lot or you were thinking a lot. Like, when did that ever hurt you to be thoughtful totally. and to smile and to express yourself? I'm like, you're allowed. And then, you know, I just explained to them how muscles work and we just got to exercise them and then we'll smooth out some of that tension. It's just sure. like anything else. But yeah, it there's a lot of fear surrounding aging in general. Fun fact about age, in one Harris poll, the researchers surveyed a little more than 2,000 adults about what they thought the quote-unquote perfect age was. The average of this survey found that it was about 50 years old. In that same survey, they found that younger respondents often wanted to be older, while older generations were perfectly happy where they were. And then when you're faced with the aging components and then you're having an inflammatory component on there and you just don't know where to go, you just identify it all as negative instead of realizing, no, my body is just like continuously going to scream at me through my skin to nurture itself. And no one has a handbook on how to properly take care of themselves from when they were born. That's why it takes a village to raise us. That's why we need communities to help us feel supported and loved and that there is a lot that we have to contribute to the world. But, you know, if we had that manual, it'd be so much easier. But would we even really follow it? <laughs> you Probably know? not. Like, we have manuals <laughs> for our cars. I don't look in it until I have to. Of course, yeah. It's about tapping into that inherent, you know, wisdom that we all have. But we're, you know, unless it's something that's taught at a young age, then it has to be taught while you've already got your systems in place. And that can be a lot harder to rewire, but it can be done for sure. You just yeah. have to want to. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that's so true. You do just have to want to, and you have to want to go on this journey for yourself. And I mean, if there is one good part about this, you know, massive influx of interest in beauty, I do think it is this idea that people do want to go on this journey for themselves and they do want to take care of their skin. And, you know, I think, I think that's always a good thing. Yeah. So the next thing I wanted to talk to you about is I think it's so important to speak to yourself positively and show yourself love and identify the things that you love about yourself. But we're also human. And there are so many days that I wake up that I'm like, wow, I don't, (laughs) I I don't look my best, (laughs) you know, or just days that I'm not feeling a hundred percent. And what's the balance of learning to love the way that you look despite your quote unquote bad skin days versus accepting your flaws and understanding that's part of being human. Is there a balance that you tell that your patients try to find? Is there a balance that you've found? Like how do you approach this? Yeah. Well, I, I feel like I've mastered it with my skin because this is the organ that I have worked with and studied and loved on and have just been connected to for a long time. But that doesn't mean that I can apply it perfectly to all other areas of myself at all times. But I like to at least break down what I did for my skin for me to have like this beautiful, like I can shift if I'm having a breakout and it's on the worst day for me to have a breakout or if I'm having a full rash or I'm just feeling not like myself, like something's clearly off. I I generally just go, thank you, skin. Thank you for letting me know. Okay. I'm going to pay attention to you. Okay. And I speak those things out loud so they can be louder than whatever negative self-talk is going on, whatever, you know, 
idea I have about my skin and myself that I had to be that day and because it was different like oh no life is going to crumble because it can feel that existential it can feel like the world is about to to end yeah. you know especially if you're if you're about to, to do some big life event and that's usually a lot of my brides I'm like you know we can't control anything in terms of our skin. So just like be nice to yourself. Like if something shows up that day, just laugh about it. Like, you know, it's going to be really hard. I'm like, but when you're outside of that situation, like when you're a couple years down the road, you are not going to remember that zit. You're going to remember how much fun you had and how beautiful you felt. Like, I think a big, a big thing for me and what I always tell my clients when they, they just need a visual to kind of hold on to so that they can start applying that sort of uh, shift in perspective for themselves is I just, I, I just say, isn't there like a photo of you from like five, 10 years ago, even like a month ago where you're like, oh, I didn't look that great, but you look back on it now and you're like, what was I so harsh about, <laughs> you know? Yes. There's, a lot of photos of me in my 20s where I know what I was thinking. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so fat and I'm so this and I'm so, and I'm none of those things. Like I am perfect and radiant and as I'm meant to be in yeah. that photo. But the essence of like where my brain was at was not, you know, evolved enough to realize that I'm going to keep changing and I'm going to keep growing in my skin, my body, my thoughts, everything is going to acclimate with me. So if I can just even if I don't fully believe it, if I can just know that my future self will appreciate me taking the route of like being a little kinder and being a little bit more loving okay. usually helps me break through. I'm like, okay, you know, there's the days that I am going to be feeling normal, fine. Okay. Nothing's wrong. Like I'm probably going to blast through it. So the days where I don't feel great and I'm not feeling like I look myself and whatever it is in terms of like my body, my skin, my mental health, all that. I just know that every day is a new day to start over. Every day is a new day to, to try again. And I don't have to hold on to whatever I wrote about myself or someone else wrote about me in terms of what I was supposed to be like or look like that day. Sure. It's all untrue. It's all just, yeah. you know, the perception that we hold on to and that yeah. we develop over time. And, you know, I just just reminding my clients of like looking back at a photo and being like, but don't you look hot? Like you, <laughs> you look great, but you do like it, it works almost every time they're like, you know what? That is very true. <laughs> no, that's so true. I'm thinking about all the times where I've gone, you know, scrolled past my phone or I've gone to, you know, notification on my phone where it's like, this happened two years ago. I'm like, Oh yeah. Look at that oh, happy girl. Yeah. <laughs> like so innocent and sweet. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, the next thing, I, this is actually folds into my next, Next question, the next thing I want to talk about, but in the wellness space, in the well-being space, we so often talk about having mantras or, mm -hmm. you know, having a gratitude practice or, you know, having these things where we remind ourselves why, why we're grateful and thankful for our bodies and what the amazing things that they can do for us. And we've talked about this before, and I thought your idea of having a skin gratitude practice was just so smart, and I always uh, really, really resonated with it. I wanted to talk a little bit about this idea and, you know, talk about how people can do it in their day-to-day -day life. So yeah, why don't you tell us what a skin gratitude practice is? <laughs> yeah, well, I... I have to do it for myself. You know what sure. I mean? Like I had such 
self-loathing when it came to my skin, which it's funny. I just organized a lot of my old photo albums. And when I thought I had peak terrible skin, I looked fine. Like my, you, it's never captured really in photos. Like you still, you know what I mean? But wherever I was at in my brain, I thought it was, it was so much worse. So I, I had to start developing a gratitude practice for myself when I realized that this was a, this was maybe 10 years ago. I was with a client who had beautiful skin. I don't want to use the word perfect because like in its, in many ways it's imperfect. It, it, it's an organ. We can't quantify perfection. Like it, it was just yeah. really healthy and glowing. And, and I gave her a compliment as a professional, you know, I just said, your skin is just really gorgeous and it's glowing today. Like how healthy, like this is so beautiful to see. Like, wow. I was just really impressed. Like she was doing everything really well and blah, blah, blah. And she immediately rejected my, hmm. my compliment. And I'm like, oh wow. If she can't take a compliment from a person who is not only being sincere, but is a professional, like, you know, I'm actually qualified to tell you that this is what, what is actually going on. This is what I see then, you know, like I, I, I got to start maybe with myself in terms of how I accept compliments and how I talk to myself, because I need to realize what it's like to receive it because I'm the same. I was the same person at that time where you could have told me I looked great and I would have been able to pick it apart. I would have been able to deflect the compliment and been able to just, you know, and, and when it that happened to me, I was just like, I don't want to do that to anybody anymore because sure. like, I really meant what I said to this person, but they weren't in a place to receive it. Okay. Let's put this woman's story into context. So in 2004, there was a massive global poll of adult women asking them to describe how they felt about themselves and how they felt about the way that they looked. Now, in this, only 2% of those surveyed would describe themselves as beautiful. About a decade later, they would conduct the same survey. And in this, the percentage did increase, but to only 4%. And, you know, that's their work, of course. You know, I, 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 I don't even really remember who it was. I just remember the experience of it. So then yeah. I just started to kind of give myself, you know, compliments. And then when... When it was really, you know, I had to kind of fake it till I made it a little bit of like, my skin looks great. I look beautiful. I am radiant. I am glowing. And it became this like mantra work. But then the days where I was really struggling and something was imbalanced and it wasn't, you know, radiant and glowy and all of those other things, I didn't want to fake that. Like I wanted to be in the acceptance of where I am in it. And a lot of the language and the mindset shift with go more into, okay, well, I'm just grateful that I'm here. I'm grateful that I have skin. I'm grateful that my skin is communicating because most of the time, whenever it is communicating, whatever, you know, whatever the expression of it might be, whether it's inflammation or dehydration, it usually leads me a little bit to how I can navigate my day more on a more nurturing basis. So I can nourish myself a little bit differently and, you know, there are some days where I feel like, okay, I had a glass of wine, I didn't sleep, but I was so grateful to like be in the present and in the moment that I'm okay with my skin being off today. So I just still have this like expression of thanks 
for showing to me that like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have that glass of wine, but I, I did it and I loved it and I'm happy with it. So I can sure. move on, you know? Yeah. So it's more so just like, you know, you can give yourself a lot of those positive mantras and sometimes they feel silly. Sometimes they just feel so silly to express. And, but when you're in that moment of you're actually in pain, it's actually not feeling good. And you're, you want to do something like for me, that's always been my go-to is to find gratitude in something, even when it's difficult to. And usually that helps me find my footing again so I can take the next step forward. And that's how I find a skin gratitude practice can be. It's just, you know, getting yourself in your body again, getting mindful about your, your conversation you're having with yourself and just saying, okay, I'll, I'll, you know, do my best. That's all I can do. You know, I've started doing this ever since you introduced the idea to me and I've gotten better. I don't do it every day, but I, I've gotten fairly consistent on it. And, you That's know, even on my, yeah, no, I, I really enjoy it. I think it's a, a really beautiful idea. But what I find, even on the days where I feel the worst about myself, even something as simple as like, I'm grateful that my skin is here as a, you know, a living, breathing organ that is protecting mm. my body. You know, just even yes. something as basic as that, or just even as like, you know, that's not even like poetic language and that's not even talking about something that your skin that makes you feel good about yourself. It's literally just your skin's function. But reminding yeah. yourself that your skin has a function and that it's doing its function every day can sometimes just, it brings you back to the moment and brings you back to the understanding like, okay, you know what? I don't I don't need to feel bad about this because it's a, it's an organ and it's trying its best to do its job. Oh, yeah. It's always working with you and for you. It's never against you. Never against you. The only time it might recoil and give you a bad reaction is if something was introduced that it needs to reject, you know, and how it expresses that rejection can either be loud or subtle and it's different for everybody. But that's just because we're all so individual and different. Another thing that I find too is we f- hyper focus on an area or on a condition or and you have to remember you are covered head to toe like mm-hmm. your skin is everywhere so if like a two percent of your whole body is expressing this imbalance like why are we letting that win why are we letting that part sure. of our skin take over when the rest of our skin is probably doing just fine and probably looking great, feeling great, acting business as usual, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, So that's a huge thing too, is like just reminding yourself, like there are some natural functions here that you're not even aware of that are just, they're always happening for you. So that's something to have great gratitude over and that your skin is everywhere. It's, it's protecting you. It's holding you together. And yeah, you know, like even, if you get like a paper cut, like just having a, like, oh, wow, my skin regenerated really quickly there. You know, sure. like that's something to be super yeah. of. Like some of those little micro moments can make a big deal and it accumulates more for how you're able to shift your perspective on your skin in general and the way that your body functions, you know? Yeah. You know, I, it's, I, I do fundamentally believe that it's always good to remind yourself that your skin is not it's not it's it's sole purpose isn't to be an aesthetic Mm -hmm. thing it's not you know it it has a means to an end that is greater than that it's an organ that you should respect it and it has these qualities like to your point of the paper cut it's 
I mean, your, your skin literally has wound healing properties and regenerative yeah. properties. And that's, even that is cool. And we should be able to respect the skin for what it does. It's not always this aesthetic entity that we, that we need to poke and prod and figure out how to make it look better. Yeah, exactly. Anyone that's a chronic picker, that's usually the first thing I'll say. I'm like, well, I don't see you picking and poking at your liver or at your sure. heart. I'm like, would you do it to any other organ? No, just because this one is the outermost organ and like there's usually some element of control or fix or boredom or whatever or missing an understanding of what's actually happening. And that kind of all comes down to proper skin health education. Like that's what can make the biggest difference, you yeah. know? So the, one of the last things I wanted to chat with you about is, I mean, this conversation can definitely feel very, for back, lack of a better phrase, very like woo-woo. And, you yeah. know, it can feel very, you know, could be all like we're all sitting out and talking about our skin, but it's not. There's actual real, there's real reasons that we, that we care about our skin from this perspective. And there's real reasons that we want to mind the way we talk and think about our skin. And it, it does go back to the idea that our mental health affects our skin and our skin affects our mental health. And we know this from research and we know this from data. And I know this is something that you have spoken about before and I've heard you speak about. So I wanted to kind of pick your brain just a little bit more on this, on on the idea of how closely these two things are related. Can you just speak a little bit more on that? Yeah, well, so one of the biggest things that I have made the greatest connection to in working with skin for such a long time now is that somebody could be coming in for a facial and wanting to work on their acne and expect me to kind of like butcher their face almost like beat it up and and that that is the right way to help nurture them but i come from a perspective that i don't want to fight inflammation with inflammation so if you're having inflammatory thoughts or you're having an inflammatory response due to stress what's the best pathway to help you kind of neutralize back down it's usually towards like finding ways to support the parasympathetic nervous system, which is just getting you out of that chronic fight or flight and into a little bit more of that rest and digest. So I often practice a lot of manual lymphatic drainage, which is just this like beautiful repetitive motion that can get you in just to this meditative state. And it's so slow moving and it's so, it's not invasive in any way that your skin realizes like, okay, I've, I'm able to kind of like release and let go of some of that chronic stress, that control that we're trying to have on top of it. And then it starts to kind of self heal. So usually when I work on somebody and I have the mindfulness to work it mostly on trying to get them into a parasympathetic state and having them just sort of plan, you know, their week around it, like come in on a Friday, don't do anything Saturday, Sunday, and see how you feel Monday. By Monday, their skin feels great. Mm -hmm. And whatever we could have like heavily extracted or heavily you know, targeted with treatments, it often just kind of goes away on its own. The correlation with stress is that, you know, what that can do is just like really tighten up the way that our bodies work. It almost constricts flow. And when we're in a state of flow, then you know we can have this great movement in our body, whether it's through our lymph, our oxygen flow, the distribution of like blood, like everything. So, you know, not to tell people, because one of the biggest things that I 
truly dislike is when people tell me, oh, just don't stress. Like, okay, obviously. If I, could, <laughs> if I had a button of just turning it on and off. Yeah, I would love to I not would, stress. Thank you. <laughs> I would do that. But how can we utilize your skincare practice at home or the modalities that you choose to do with a practitioner? How do we, how do we just turn that into self-care? This isn't an opportunity to be critical of yourself. Like this is actually a time to monitor yourself and your stress and ask yourself how you're doing. Cause oftentimes until I ask myself, maybe, maybe I haven't like talked to anyone that day. Maybe I haven't done a wellness check-in. So if we can utilize that opportunity of like, okay, before I touch my skin, before I even move forward with any of these products that I am going to use on my face, like, let me just ask myself how I'm doing. And then through that, I feel like the majority of people, when they kind of get that concept, they start to realize, like, actually, I'm really stressed. Like, maybe I should go meditate for five minutes, or maybe I should, you know, go do a workout class tonight and sure. try to, like, get some movement in so I can release some of that tension, you know? And it's really impressive the before and after when somebody comes in and they're just feeling really like tight and wound up and they're holding their shoulders tight. So like none of that beautiful lymph fluid can flow out as, as it's meant to through the body from the neck. And it's like when I can finally get them to like release their shoulders, then their face can actually have some oxygen flow and sure. their face can actually like breathe a little light circulation and going. Yeah. And we have a lot of muscles in our faces. And I think to, you know, it's like any other exercise with the body. Like if we have a lot of muscles and we're only using them in certain ways to express, you know, stress or to express anger or sadness, and we're kind of holding in a lot of tension, like the body holds emotion, the body holds a lot of that. So when we can release that and, and try to exercise some of those muscles and just, you know, give them a little love with a little self massage or just like addressing like I'm am feeling tense. Maybe I should, you know, do whatever self care practice does feel nice to relieve that tension. I feel like it usually represents itself. I mean, it's not overnight. I'll tell you that it's never overnight. So if anyone's listening and they're like, Oh, so, okay, I'll take a couple deep breaths and my skin will clear. Like that's not the case. It's more of a, an accumulated effect of how the stress kind of stores itself in your body so it'll be an accumulative effect of how it starts to unwind and allow sure. you to 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 have that that glow kind of come back again you know well and what i always find too when i am able to come to my nightly skincare routine or even morning skincare routine from a place of calm and from a place of understanding versus stressed about whatever happened that day i make better choices for my skin yeah. You know, I did an old joke with some of my friends, but they could always tell when I was stressed out the next day at work because I would come in and, you know, I would have like flaky skin because I had over exfoliated or I had put on yeah. too many peels or, you know, I had overdone it with the retinol because yeah, you took it out on your face. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I was stressed. And instead of realizing that I was stressed out for various other reasons, I decided, no, I am going to a stress exfoliate. And that is going to be how I deal with this. And so when I come to my skincare practice with a place of love, I, I make better choices for my skin and I listen to it better. And I don't try to force a product on it when maybe all that day is I just, you know, I need I need to wash my face and I need to put on, you know, my nice luxe dense moisturizer and call mm-hmm. it a day. 
Yeah. Uh, so last thing I wanted to ask you is what do you do for your skin? Oh, I love this. I mean, th- this is always changing because I'm always. intuitive with it. I'm always going to check in, see what it needs and to, you know, it, it, different times of the month require different types of attention. But generally, I I just I, I'm very specific about how I do my morning routine and my evening routine. So I'll break that down. I usually start with cleansing after I get out of the shower or sometimes I'll do a mask in the shower, like Mm -hmm. an exfoliating mask or a honey mask, like something just gently enzymatic. I love this tip from Haley about using an enzyme mask in the shower. So enzymes work by stimulating a biochemical response on the very top layer of the skin, which encourages skin cell turnover and enzymes are actually activated by heat. Now, typically the heat on your skin is enough to trigger their function, but if you use it in a steamy shower, it can increase the efficacy. Research shows that even a one or two degree difference changes the efficacy by upwards to 10 to 20%. And then once I'm out of the shower, I'll go like into my, either my cleansing if I haven't done it. And that's generally just a cream cleanser, just a very basic, calming, soothing. I think a cream cleanser in anybody's routine is ideal. Then I'll, I'll mist with a hydrosol of sorts, usually rose water, but I, I mean, I have a few, so I kind of just rotate according to what I think I might need. If I'm feeling a little congested, maybe I'll use something that's got more of an astringent property to it, but all very plant-based, natural. Mostly I'm there to just like be glowy and dewy. And then I'll, I'll treat accordingly. I'll do maybe like a spot treatment or a vitamin C serum if I feel like that's what I need during the day. And then I balm it up and I put some SPF on and then I'll do, I usually do some form of massage. So whether I use a tool, a guasa stone, or even like a little, like, you know, those gold plated, like Mm -hmm. vibrating thing, like those just feel really nice on my face in the morning. So I like to do that just to kind of invigorate. And then I drink a glass of water and then I call it a day. Like that's my morning. And then at night I usually do an oil cleanse and I, I remove everything with a warm cloth. So that's like partial exfoliation and then partial like makeup removal. Sure. But for me, I don't wear a lot of makeup. So that kind of suffices as my only cleanse. And then I'll, I'll mist again with a nice hydrating hydrosol and then I usually do just like a a gentle, like, well, right now, because it's February, it's like winter-ish time, I'll, I use a balm, like more of like a regenerative balm with a few, you know, ingredients that can help with the, the natural, like, regenerative process, but it's still very gentle, it's all natural and organic, and then, you know, if I feel like it, I'll do more massage, like, that's a huge thing for me, is I don't just go through each step, like, okay, now I have sprayed. You know, I take deep breaths into everything. I make it like a full body thing. I always have music going on or a podcast, something to kind of keep me engaged. And I'm always like moving through it like it's a dance and I have fun with it. And then another quick thing I usually do with my PM routine is I do it before I'm too tired, which is something that not everybody has the privilege to do. Of course, I understand that. But if my husband and I are like, we just finished dinner and we're about to like sit down and watch a movie or do something, you know, but we're staying in, which is the case for most people still, I, I'll be like, okay, hold on. Before we do anything, let me go take care of myself. Let me go take like unwind. And I just, I make, I give myself like a full 15 minutes and it's so nice because it encourages him to go do the same thing. Like he'll go and he'll carve out 
that time for whatever prep he needs for tomorrow morning or whatever it is. So it's, it's been a nice habit of wind down and then I can go to bed just knowing like it's all good. It's all soaked in. I feel really nice and I won't, I don't forget anything either, you know, or you don't rush through the process. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I keep it very simple. I'm very lucky that I have access to a lot of great products just because of what I do for a living, but it's always just kind of very, very simple ingredients. That's just what my skin likes at this stage in my life. And, and I, I wish I had some fun, cool things I could do in addition to it, but I think it's been a really nice way to kind of maintain it just on my own. I usually go and I get facials pretty frequently, but I haven't been able to. So I just have been giving myself all the treatments, you know, just like giving myself all that extra love and support. So now I I love that too, that you recognize, you know, I don't need much else in my routine at this stage in my life. So I'm just not going to, I, I think that's probably a lesson a lot of us could take myself included. People are very all about the abundance and because there's so much available, but to, I just think, you know, what speaks to me and often it's just a few things. You know what I mean? Like I, I've gotten to a point now where I don't let my my skincare be based off of like whatever products. It's it's really just about me caring for my whole self. It's it's an act of self love. It's an act of self respect. It's an act of self compassion. You know, and so what I use in those like it almost doesn't matter the actual products. Like I personally resonate more with the organic plant based products just because of my own health issues. That I, I feel safer with them, but they what it, it always is like it's it's never if I have the right healthy mindset for it, where I'm ready to just receive the love, like I generally don't respond negatively, you know, I've already figured out what I don't respond well with and that's long in my past. So if anyone's kind of in that sort of trial and error stage, like just know that you'll, you'll figure it out. And, you know, sometimes the skin, like how it, it, it expresses itself for you is, is is also an act of love even if it's showing like i don't do well with this product like that okay great now you know now you know yep. you don't want to use that so it's yeah. it's all just great information i think totally and yeah 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 now again i think that's a great point it's always view all this sort of things as information rather than a negative reaction it's like well you know Okay, skin didn't love that. I had a rosacea breakout or whatever it was, but now mm-hmm. I know better and I don't have to do that to my skin again. Yeah. Well, anyway, thank you so much for joining us. This was such a wonderful conversation. It's always such a pleasure to chat with you. And this is just a topic that I enjoy talking about immensely. And I absolutely, again, just always love chatting with you and especially about this. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I could go on and on. So I am really grateful and love having these conversations with you. Hey guys, just popping back in here to say thanks for joining us this week at Clean Beauty School. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you're looking for more beauty content or just wellness content in general, don't forget to check out our website, mindbodygreen.com, our Instagram, mindbodygreen, and of course, our parent podcast, the Mind Body Green Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review us. Thanks again. See you next week.